Why are you guys chuckling? Does <laughs> this title already hit home? <laughs> well, first of all, too, let me wish you all a happy Mother's Day. It's great to be together today on this Mother's Day. We are beginning a brand new series called My Crazy Family. Coincidence? Hmm. Moms admit it, some of you today, you're looking around, you got your crazy family with you this morning, right? <laughs> How many of you, though, would say that it's your mom who's crazy? <laughs> Don't, I didn't ask you, you guys raised your hand, you're pretty brave this morning, but... <laughs> No, family life can absolutely be crazy. We're going to be talking about that throughout this month, and you know we all go through through crazy through crazy times. But again, it is so good just to be together and to celebrate this Mother's Day as we look in and start this new family, focusing on uh, the series, looking at the family. I was able to spend a few days this past week actually with my mom in, in Florida and also with a couple of my sisters. We had a little mini family reunion, and it was just so nice to be together. And I really consider that still a privilege to, to have some time with my mom. I know some of you would wish to have that and long to have that. Um, we have different you know, ways that we approach Mother's Day. Some of us, of course, we get to celebrate. We think about our moms, whether she's still with us or maybe your mom has, has passed, and just hold on to some of those memories. We know Mother's Day can also be a time of, of some pain and some sorrow and loss as you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, maybe a difficult family situation or uh, unmet expectations or just sadness or grief that you're feeling. And so we bring all of that together today into this, uh, into this place, into worship. And as we begin this series with talking about my crazy family, family life is crazy, is it not? I mean, family life can be so crazy. I know, especially as I think back into my own family life, you know, I think about my, my wife this morning and also on, on Mother's Day today, having uh, raised four, in the process of raising four daughters. My wife is actually serving in the, in the Park Kids Ministry this morning, but so blessed by, by the gift of her, her love to our family. And we, we think back to a time some years ago as our family life began as far as having kids, and there was a season where we had uh, four girls within five and a half years of each other, you know, four girls five and a half and younger. It was nuts. I still sometimes don't know how we survived that time. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, it was like running around just trying to just, just you know, herd everyone together, keep all the kids in, in, in one place. And, and I remember times just being out and families just, just shaking their heads. One time I was boarding a plane and uh, we actually, one of the rare times we actually flew with our family instead of driving somewhere. And mom, uh, Shannon, would always lead the front and the girls would follow behind and they were walking in the airplane down the aisle and and um, I could see people just watching us with these little girls out with their backpacks one after another, and they're kind of like counting and walking along. And, and as I passed by, I heard one man say, Lord, help him. It's <laughs> like, this is crazy. It's nuts. Or, you know, we'd be at a restaurant, and there's more food on the floor than there was on the table or was consumed, and we'd like give the waitress, you know, a, a, big, a big bill, uh, a tip, because it was just, it was just nuts. But, but crazy can be a lot of different things. Crazy can just be busy, crazy can be full, crazy can be fun, but crazy can also be very challenging. And there's many difficult situations that we go to. Crazy can be a crazy family uncle. Crazy can be a get-together with family where you're going, oh, no, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that time together. Because you're dealing with difficult family relationships. Crazy can be financial stress. Crazy can be dealing with physical challenges. Crazy can be dealing with relational breaks where, where maybe you have a strained relationship. Crazy can be dealing with, with um, 
just physical challenges and health issues, right? So we all bring all of this stuff together into our crazy family lives. But we're also gonna be looking at another crazy family. Right here, <laughs> look around. The church, the Bible, and God uses this illustration of the family as the church is a family and calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ. And don't we all know that there's also a lot of crazy that happens in the body of Christ. And so we have to understand and learn what it means to be family in this new family that God created. And so in this series, we're going to look at all of these, these different aspects. We're going to look at some, some stories. We're going to get behind the front door of some of these uh, stories of families in the Bible. We've got some crazy families in the Bible. Did you know that? If you read through the Bible, you see what's going on there, these unvarnished stories. And if you look at the Bible and you just open the, to the front pages and you're in Genesis, you're one or two pages into it, and we're introduced to, to Adam and Eve and their two wonderful, sweet little boys, <laughs> Cain and Abel. First family. Wah, wah. <laughs> it goes wrong, right? I mean, this is major deal, right? Cain kills Abel. It is, it is already you know, just wrought with strife right from the very beginning. And so we see throughout the Bible, we see different families that are struggling. And, and many times when you, when you read the Bible and you look at it through the lens of families, it reads like, like a modern-day soap opera. There's scandal, right? There's division. There's heartache. There's the cover-ups, hatred, anger, competition, jealousy, revenge. It's all in there. We see it all in the Bible. And then you look even at Jesus' own family. Imagine Jesus being your brother, <laughs> That's got to be a difficult thing to grow up with, right? And did you know that in the Bible we read that Jesus had four brothers? And he actually had, we know, at least two sisters. We don't know exactly, but it says there's a couple of, of sisters. So he had a family. He was the oldest of this family, and, and they had different dynamics. We don't get to read a lot about that, but, but his brothers had some jealousy. His brothers didn't believe him. They didn't, you know, sure, you're the son of God. Always the oldest thinks he's the best, right? Can any of you relate? But here, Jesus, right, I mean, but eventually those brothers did come, a couple of them at least, and, and really began to be part of the movement that, that Jesus began and believed in him. And so the Bible reads with these families so much like, like soap operas, but there's also so many good things. There's healing that we read about, forgiveness, redemption, hope, and we bring all of that stuff, we bring all of our family situations together, and we realize that every single one of us here is a part of a family in one way, shape, or another. And speaking of families, the son comes and joins his parents right on the front row. Dan, welcome, and your grandma's here. We planned this, right? It's a family series. You're here on Mother's Day. It's awesome. See, it's all together. We're part of a family, as we're talking about. Well, today, um, as in, in this series, as we look at this, we're going to look in over the next several weeks, again, just what do we do with the crazy? How does God want us to handle that? What do we do with that? We're going to look at that today. We're going to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, because that's a big challenge in families. How do we deal when, with things when things break? We're going to look at the legacy of faith and how God has created the family as a place for us to pass on faith from generation to generation and how he does that. And we're going to look at the church family that God has designed and created and how do we function and work together as the family of faith. And so today, though, I want to begin by talking about embracing the crazy. Embracing the crazy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We look at our families, and right now, in this very moment, God, we bring to you the very situations that we are dealing with in our families. God, whatever that may be, on this day, we're reminded of, of all the things in our families, the hurt, the pain, the joy, 
the good things, the celebrations. Father, we bring those all to you today. And in this day and in the weeks to come as we dive into family life, God, would you bring your light of hope and your peace into the very situations that we're dealing with right now. And so, God, we lift our families to you in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Embracing the crazy. When you hear that, embrace the crazy, some of you might be thinking, shouldn't we avoid the crazy, right? You're thinking that seems exactly the opposite of what we want to do. Our goal seems to be in family life, avoid it. Don't be crazy. Try to get through it. Don't wanna, I don't want to deal with these things. I want to ignore it. I want to deny it. I don't want the crazy. We don't enjoy that stuff. And then we find ourselves saying something like, it's just a phase. Ever say that? It's just a phase. Now, it's not necessarily a bad phrase because sometimes that's the only hope we hold on to. We say it's just a phase, right? We're going to be able to get through this. When the kids are asking all the why questions, when we're having trouble with teenagers, or if we're having, you know, later in life with the adult kids' challenges that we're facing, it's just a phase. Or maybe you say something like, this too shall pass. Ever said that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, those are, those are coping mechanisms. Those are things that help us get through that, that it doesn't always need to be this way, but oftentimes what happens is we, we try to fast forward the clock past the time that we're in. And the last thing that we want to do is embracing the crazy. What if God wants us to embrace the moment? What if God wants us to be, be in these moments and in these phases to see what he might do in them in this very moment, that this very phase that you are in right now, the very stage, the very thing that you're dealing with with your family, what if God wants you to embrace that and to see that as a critical and crucial part in the time of your life, in the time of your family, in the time of your relationship? Not just something to pass through, not just a phase, but something right now that God's saying, I want to redeem. I want to do something right now in this moment. And so we need to develop some new frames to look at families as we think about it this way. In Psalm 39, verse 4, it says this. As we think about these phases in life, think about it through this lens. Psalm 39, 4. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. Time just moves on, doesn't it? It just marches on. It keeps going. It keeps rolling. And, and, and while this verse applies to all of us at every stage, think about it in terms of your family life. Think about it in terms of, of these phases that you're going through, that, that they're numbered, that there's a reason, there's a flow, there's a, there's a time for, for, for everything, as the Bible says, and that our days are numbered. Do you know that we have 936 weeks between when a child is born and when they graduate high school? 936 weeks seems like a long time when you have a baby at first, doesn't it? But what happens over time? The time just keeps going. It moves quicker. And so we have this time, and we have to look at it. Is this just a phase to get through? And you look at that stage, and, and you know, those, those sleepless nights you, you've wanted so long maybe to have a baby, and finally you have a child, or you're able to adopt a child, or you begin this family life, and now it's all the sleepless nights, right? You're going, what did we sign up for? You're tired, you're exhausted, there's so many dirty diapers and bottles to make, and you go, this is crazy. And we begin family life, and it feels crazy in that way, and you realize the time is ticking down, and 52 weeks after that first year are already up. You get into the, the ages of one and two, and, and all of a sudden it's impossible to be on time anywhere, right? Have you ever noticed that? We always cut families some slack. If they got little ones, you get, you, get, you get a couple minutes for being late when you have kids because it just never goes as planned. And things are difficult. And then you enter the, the terrible twos, and, and sometimes they're really sweet during that time. But it can be tough. It can be difficult when they discover the word no, right? Or mine. Or I do it self. I do self, right? 
I'm going to do it by my own. And, they, and, and it's all part of that, that process. And then they enter the preschool and kindergarten and they're learning and they're reading and they're discovering new things. It's so fun to see that development as it happens. They discover their friendships matter more and more as they get into fourth and fifth grade, and then they get into and then they get into middle school, and you wonder what happened to my sweet, loving children. Right? They're in middle school now, and things are crazy, and their bodies are doing different things, and they're 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 like these half kind of adults, half kids, and, and it's an awkward time and it can be crazy. Things don't seem to make sense. All of a sudden, as mom and dad, you're not the biggest influence anymore, or, or things are questioned. And then they move into high school, and time is ticking, and the weeks are passing. And now in high school, grades matter, and, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're starting to develop their own schedules. They get a driver's license, right? And now there's mobility, and, and things are changing. Maybe as a parent now, things are being questioned, things that you have established. They're thinking for themselves and wondering what is true and what is real. You get in that junior year, and... And now the schedule is full and they're busy and we're, we've got a junior in, in high school as well and we've got a senior in high school and senior year starts and there's 52 weeks left. And I've been, I've been aware of this in this last year as my, my oldest daughter is graduating. It's like how fast the time moves, how quickly things change. And, and all of a sudden I thought we would have this long run, we would have all this time together and now it's the senior year and you have all these sentimental moments, the last this and the last that, right? If you've been at that stage you're aware of that. And it seems like, you know, family life, when, I, this has been kind of a, rea a realization for me, is uh, when we started our, you know, having kids and, and, and family life, I thought we'd be in this stage forever. Just thought for the rest of our lives, we're just going to have kids in the home, and it's going to be like, I couldn't even imagine coming to a place where that may start changing. And now, obviously, with an 18-year-old and getting ready to go into college, and, and our kids are getting older, just kind of stepped back and thought, if God grants us um, a longer life, we may have like double the time as parents of adults than we did with parents as kids under 18. Now it's different, right? It's obviously different when the kids aren't home, but, but how many of you as parents of older kids know that parenting doesn't stop, right? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> That's what I'm told, right? That just because they've left your house, it doesn't stop. It changes. It's different. But the parenting continues. And as grandparents, you have different relationship to your kids and to your grandkids. And, and how do you navigate those changes? And with all these phases, it's not, just, it's not just this one phase or another. Many times if you've got multiple kids, or again, kids and, or, or grandkids and great-grandkids, you're dealing with multiple stages at the same time. And in reverse, kids with older parents. How do we relate to our parents as they get older, as they are in different stages? And so we look at these weeks that we have, this time that we have, and we go, God, what do you want us to do in this stage, in this phase? I find ourselves easy to say this, maybe you said this phrase, when my kids finally dot, 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 then, have you ever thought about that? Right, that's thinking about our phase and, and the crazy that we're in, like, when we can finally get out of diapers. Ah, oh, that'll be so awesome. When we can finally get them out of their car seats and when they can just get into the, you know, into the van without having to wear, you know, buckle up. When they can finally get into high school, when they can finally drive the car, when they finally leave our house, when they finally get married, when, they fi when we finally have grandkids, then. And we find ourselves always waiting for that finally then. But what about the moment we're in? Why is it that we so quickly sometimes want to get through the, the, the stages and the phases that we're in? So I want to talk about how do we embrace the crazy? What are some things that we need to do for that? I want to tell you three things here to embrace the crazy. 
And the first is this. Each phase is necessary for growth. Each phase is necessary for growth. We can't afford to miss one phase. We can't just skip a phase. I know some as we want to, but each one is necessary. So if you know, if you want to do calculus, what do you have to know before calculus? You have to know algebra. In order to know algebra, you have to learn your multiplication and division. If you want to know multiplication and division, you've got to get proficient in addition and subtraction. If you want to do addition and subtraction, you've got to be proficient in numbers. Right? It all builds on each other. And every stage is like that in, in our life and in, in, in our faith. And in the Bible, we read uh, in, in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual growth, Paul writes, he's writing to, to some younger Christians, and what he's telling them, he says, look, you're not ready for meat yet. I've got to give you spiritual milk. I have to start you as, a, as an infant. You have to begin there. You can't just jump into the meat phase. You've got to start and begin to learn and begin to grow and to begin to develop. And each stage, stage builds on the other. Each phase is necessary for growth. And through these phases, through these changes, there's always battles. There's always challenges that, that come. And, and I, we recognize that too as in, in parenting, that it seems to come always in phases. There comes a push. There comes a resistance. There's something we need to break through. And we find ourselves having to readjust and navigate. And then when we can gain, push through that, there seems to be a calm on the other side of that until the next challenge comes and we push through. But that's part of that growing process for our kids as they grow, as they expand. I think about it even physically, like, um, you know, when kids are younger, and you have, especially with your first kid, you know, you're plugging all the, um, all the outlets, right, so they can't get into that. You, how many of you have put, like, little rubber corner things on everywhere so they don't hit their head, right? And by the fourth kid, you're like, just hit your head. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But, <laughs> but that explains sometimes how young, why younger ones are a little different. But... But I remember even for me growing up and with my kids, like on the, the countertop, right? It used to be like, don't hit your head on the countertop. And what happens later? They hit, their he they hit their hip on the countertop, right? It just changes. We grow and we experience pain and change and, and part of that development. It's necessary. It's an important part. And so we think about that through the different stages. Don't get up, we don't get upset about our kids for needing new clothes because they've outgrown their old ones, right? It's part of their growth. It's part of their process. And so it happens in different areas, mentally, emotionally socially, spiritually, as they're pushing the envelope, as they're pushing boundaries, as they're growing, as they're, they're reaching into different areas. I think about it too, just like how it changes in distance boundaries. When you first have a child, a baby, what do we do? How close is that proximity, right? It's like right here. And then there's that next stage, right? You put baby down and they begin to like roll away. But then it's like, as long as they're right here and don't leave the bed, then it's like, okay, they start walking. You can stay in the room. Then later on, you don't care as long as they're in the house. Then they get a little older, and you don't care as long as they're, you know, in your backyard. A little bit later, it's okay as long as they stay on their street, as long as, they, you know, they're, they're within eyesight. Then later, they can ride their bike to the park. Then they get their car, right? And the boundaries continue to grow and change. And again, it happens as, as the kids are out of your house. The boundaries and how life works, functions, it changes. Every phase is necessary for growth. Second point is this. Each phase is a distinctive opportunity. So it's not just necessary for growth, but it's an opportunity. What would it look like for you to think about the phase that you're in right now as a unique opportunity for you to do something? Ephesians 5.16 just says, make the most of every opportunity. The Bible reminds us that, again, time is, is fleeting. Time is passing. Don't waste the moments. Make the most of every opportunity. Reggie Joyner and uh, Kristen Ivey wrote a book about phases, and they said this. A phase is defined as a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. 
That's a different way of seeing it as just a phase, just something to get through, just to kind of get this behind us. No, there's some distinctive opportunities that you can leverage in each stage. What are some of these things that you can leverage? You know, just when you have your baby and, and you're able to cuddle it, don't wish it to walk too soon. Enjoy that time. Leverage nurture. Leverage cuddling. Leverage touch. When all the why questions come, why, why, why? Stop asking me why. <laughs> Leverage it as an opportunity to focus on their inquisitiveness and their curiosity. When they start having strong opinions about what they want to wear or how to decorate their, their, their room, Leverage it as a time to discover their uniqueness and how God created them and their creativity. When they're struggling with friends, teach them about the significance of the influence of other people, the importance of Christ-centered community, the importance of, of being grounded in a group of people that, that can influence us in the right direction. When they're trying to figure out their time and they're making decisions and their schedule's too full when they're older, help them to understand what are the goals that you're after? What is it you want life to be about? Leverage those unique stages as distinctive opportunities. Gretchen Rubin said this, the days are long, but the years are what? Short, right? The days can sometimes seem really long. They can be exhausting. The seasons seem long, but when you step back, we can all look back in time, and time seems to be speeding up. Let's not miss the opportunities. I remember it was like about, it was, it was five years ago, I'm, I'm on the, I was on the board, I'm on the board at Anderson University, and, and part of the way, uh, part of the responsibility we have when, when we have uh, board meetings twice a year is to go and to have lunch with students there on campus. And uh, so just to be able to sit down and get to know the students a little bit, hear about what's going on, I remember five years ago thinking, man, these kids are only five years older, these students are only five years older than my daughter. And here I am sending my daughter to university. Like, it just is literally a snap. It happens so quick. And, and, and to, to not just say, I just want to get through it. God, help me to embrace it. It's a distinct opportunity. The third is this. In each phase, our children need one important thing. In each phase, our children need one important thing. One thing that every kid needs, regardless of, of, of their age, regardless of their stage, regardless of, of so many different factors, is one thing we need. And we look, if you listen to culture and if you, you listen to what's out there, there's all kinds of things that are told that we need for kids. All kinds of things. They need a healthy diet. They need exercise, playtime, study time, downtime. They have to have, have a practical skill. They need more uh, rigorous classes. They need to have better grades, better friends, medication, entertainment, technology. They need a good job. They need all these different things. But what's the one thing that each child needs in each phase? You know what it is? You. It's you. It's you. At every stage, again, we're not, I'm not just talking through 18, I'm talking at every stage. It's you, what they need. They need parents. They need adults in their lives. They need mentors. They need coaches. They need youth leaders. They need children's Sunday school leaders. They need aunts and uncles and grandparents. They need you. And so God has placed you in their lives and it's so important. Kristen Ivey further says this. She said, kids at every phase need adults who will show up predictably and consistently over time. Predictably and consistently over time. That makes sense all the way through when the kids are in your home, but that continues to make sense. Hearing this morning, just talking to some of you, how you continue to engage and try to support your kids, even when they've been long out of the house, in different stages and seasons of life. Your consistency, being there. I know how important that is in my life to know that, that I have my parents that I continue to go to. 
And I make that weekly phone call to them. That's our, that's our rhythm, typically once a week. But at any time when we need something, when we need prayer, when we need, need encouragement, we sit and we talk. That, that consistency over time is so important. Kids need that predictable and consistent environment. And God wants to do that through our families. What I think is so interesting is, of all the ways in which God could have entered this world, when he sent his son Jesus, he chose to enter the world as a baby and to place them into a family, into a young family, into the hands of Mary and Joseph. I think what an awesome affirmation that God says, I want to use the family. The family is a way that, that I can bring God's, you know, peace to this world, the way that I can bring goodness. I trust families. And God wants to trust your family with what is important. So we don't just want to think about it as just a phase because it's so much more. Take a look at this, this video. Such a powerful reminder, right? It's just a phase. Don't miss it. Embrace the crazy. But what I want to end with today, too, is just this reminder that 
we need to embrace the crazy. You know why? Because Jesus does. Jesus embraces the crazy. That's the hope that we have, that Jesus takes our families, that he takes the situations we're in, and he says, come, bring that all to me. Let me be a part of that. Invite me into that mess. Invite me into the difficulty. Invite me into that stage, the very thing you're dealing with in your marriage, with your parents, with your kids, as adults, as kids, whatever stage you're in, invite Jesus into that. Flaws, challenges, and all. And Jesus has a way to bring his peace, to bring that redemption. You know, when we open the pages to the New Testament, there's a, it's not a very exciting read, to be honest with you, in Matthew when you first start reading. It's the genealogy. Who enjoys reading a genealogy? So-and-so was the son of so-and-so who begat so-and-so and was the son of so-and-so. And it goes on and on. It gives us the genealogy of Jesus. But there's four interesting names in the genealogy which are unique to genealogies in that time. For one, there are four women in that genealogy, which was not a practice at that time. The, the genealogy was always traced, again, through the father. But why were these four women mentioned? And four of the women that were mentioned here are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, all part of the line of Jesus. But if you begin to look at some of those stories and other stories in that genealogy, they're not this perfect family line where everything went just so. But that Jesus was part of this family line that came through, through Joseph, right? That, that, that traced this line that, that he was a part of, that came through. And, and some of these women were prostitutes. Some of them came from another, you know, you know, background racially that was not, you know, would normally be typical. Another with Bathsheba, that was, that was a situation with King David that, that the line came through adultery. And we see pain and we see difficulty and we see challenges. And yet, that's... The, the very story that God narrates saying, I'm going to bring redemption, and I can take whatever situation your family's in, whatever challenges there are, and I can bring goodness out of that. I can bring wholeness out of that. If you will allow and invite Jesus into your family and into that very situation and into that stage, Jesus is our only hope to redeem the crazy in our families. That's what we need is redemption. It's not just to avoid it, but for God to say, God, we're going to bring it to you. And God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do maybe in the situation. Maybe you feel yourself right now. There's hurt. There's pain. Maybe you're trying to figure out where to go and what to do. We're reminded of the words in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. So right now, whatever the situation you're in, whatever challenge you're facing... Ask God to enter in, to give you wisdom. And he's not going to find you fault, at fault. He's not going to say, first, here's the lecture for all the things you did wrong. He's going to say, from this point, let's move forward. Let's rebuild, let's renew, let's build on the solid foundation. Invite Jesus in. Ask for his wisdom. Ask for his peace. And know that in this moment, in the crazy that you're experiencing, God can bring his wholeness and God can bring peace right in that very place. Today, as we begin the series, I just want to encourage all of us to, to just take whatever situation you're facing right now that you're dealing with as you think about your family, you just bring it to God, and you ask God's peace, and you ask God's presence, and you ask God's blessing, and that in this stage and in this phase that he would do what only he can do. I'd love to pray for us this morning. Let's pray. Maybe in this moment of silence, you just express in your own words before I pray what it is that you're facing 
and where you're asking God's blessing. And maybe it's just a heart just full of gratitude and thanksgiving. Bring it all to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for the families that you have placed us in, families that we've grown up in, families that we are with right now, our church family. God, thank you that you did not leave us alone. And yet, Lord, we know when we talk about family, it means so much and different things to different people, and it can be filled with so many awesome and wonderful and beautiful things and memories and love. God, we also know it can be filled with a lot of pain, with loss, with hurt, with tension. And so, God, we just ask you right now to come and to enter into these very situations, these families that you have created us for and for us. And Father, we thank you for our church family, for this body that can come to you to look to you as our Heavenly Father, to bring your love, to bring your peace, to bring your hope. Father, we thank you for moms, especially on this day, and we just lift them up right now. Touch their hearts wherever they are hurting most. God, give them encouragement. Let them know how much they are loved and valued and used by you to bring your goodness to this world. We give you thanks. And Father, for our families, may they be strengthened, may they be strong, may they be a foundation on which to raise the next generation and to impact this world. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name, amen.